This is Black Millennial Money. This is Black Millennial Money, where we talk about how you can make more money, keep more money, invest your money, and spend your money on the finer things in life, all from a Black Millennial perspective. I'm your host, Shows Voice, and today I have an illustrious guest with me. Her name is Koi, but before we get into any of all of that, regular listeners, you know what I'm about to say. If you haven't liked, subscribed, and shared this with everyone on your phone, but now is the time to do it. We're on a mission to reach 100 million people around the world with life-changing financial information, and you can be part of that. But more specifically, we are really, really close to hitting a bit of a milestone on the YouTube channel where we're about to hit a thousand subscribers. So if you haven't subscribed and you've been watching me for this long, now is the time to do it. If you want to take a contribution to a platform that little bit further, sign up to the Patreon. The link is in the description. You can help us continue to make this happen. It starts from three pounds a month. And if you've got a little bit of value from this, I'm sure I've dropped more than three pounds worth of gems on you guys. Head over to the Patreon, click the link and let's get going. Lastly, lastly, my book, The Three Circles of Wealth, How the Children of Immigrants and Working Class Parents Can Get Rich and Stay That Way is coming out soon. If you want to be one of the first people to find out when it drops, click the link in the description, join the waiting list. Now, I told you we have illustrious guests and I don't mess around when it comes to Black Millennial Money. You can go through the archives. People be doing stuff for the show. Now, Koi. Who is Koi? So she's a creator and a host of The Safe Space, which is a YouTube show which has over 150,000 views in just the first four episodes. First four episodes, bang, straight out the gate. She's worked with the likes of Link Up TV, YouTube, BBC, and Experian. And if you don't know, she's your favorite content creator's content creator. So, Koi, how does it feel to be on Black Millennial Money today? It feels amazing. I feel like this is a new level in my life. This is my new CV. Just this. Just this. Trust me. No, Trust honestly, me all the time. People go BBC, then Black Millennial Money. It happens all the time. I think that's the right way to go about it. Now, I'm actually really excited. I feel like this is one of them podcasts. I've never had this experience before. I feel like I'm going to learn as much as contributing. Like, I'm actually really excited. I think it's going to be a new experience for me. So, yeah, thank you for inviting it, me on. I'm excited to have you on because the key thing I wanted to share in this in this podcast with us today but also more broadly is about sharing the stories of different types of people within our community the different paths you can take to achieve success and many people are thinking about the types of changes and shifts that you've made from going from corporate to being a full-time creator but before we go into the depths of all of that we need to know a little bit more about you what are the three things we should know about you what's regular about koi three things regular okay what about the fact that i was almost arrested by the turkish equivalent of the fbi does that, does that, yeah? Um, also, my favourite album is The Miseducation of Lauren Hill, but not because of the songs, because of the interludes. It's just, they're just genius. And my favourite animal are elephants. So much so that I compare the matriarchs in my family to being elephants. Yes, I've been beaten up because of it, but it's because of the gentleness and the grandness of the elephant, not the size. Okay, auntie? Thank you. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would, I'd love to see you explain that one. But you, you said quite a few things there. So the Turkish FBI almost arrested you. What did you do? And I assume this was in Turkey. Uh, yes, it was in Turkey because <laughs> this wasn't one of them international crime. So I didn't do anything. And the assumption that I did something was the problem in the first place. Um, it was actually a very scary a, a situation. I was like 17. Me and two other girls flew to Turkey for just like a holiday. Um, I think it was 17 or 19, one of the two. And two girls from Turkey um, that were black beat up one of the um, 
one of the British girls that was living there. So they had like a settlement where like tons of British people were starting to move there and like buy houses and properties there. And so she got beaten up really badly. Um, and they had a Facebook group, like a community. So when three girls turn up at the villa in the area that they're staying in, they just assume it's us because it's, it was so rare to see black girls in that place. And so we didn't know this. We were walking around the villa. We were walking around the area, just free and enjoying life, not knowing that there was a face group, um, face group um, Facebook group that was following us, documenting everything we did. And at 3 a.m. in the morning, like several officers came to our door. They were called the gendarmes. I didn't know they were the FBI. I thought they were just like patrol police. I didn't know how serious they were. And they came to our house at 3 a.m., three 17-year-old black girls. And the first thing that one of the officers says is, we're not, we're not racist. We just want to ask you a few questions. I was terrified um but luckily one of my girls was really really sober and she was like we're not going to go anywhere bring the girl here and let her id us and the girl really took her time before she said yeah it's not them and it was the worst experience ever I destroyed the holiday for me um and i haven't been back to turkey since but yes that <laughs> sounds mental uh, so, so you, you did an ID parade basically. Yes. In your in the in the villa where the girl had to walk up and down inspecting yes. you lot to see if you were the girls. Wow. Yes. <laughs> and her dad. Now, oh sorry, yes, continue. And then, her dad. Her dad. Her dad was like this almost Phil Mitchell type of guy, and he burst through the door and he says, Love, which one is it? Which one is it? We were 17. Like nobody was treating us like children in that moment. Like we were like, if that girl decided to just be evil on that day, that was it. Like there was no mercy. There was no care, no consideration. So anyway, we survived and I'm here on your podcast. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That is a compelling story. But I'm, my response to that is kind of like black people should travel more. So these things become less strange because had they been used to black people in your area, they wouldn't have immediately thought it was you guys. So that's my thinking of it. Let's keep going. Let's keep being in places where people say that we shouldn't be or people don't expect us to be and keep enjoying our lives because ultimately Turkey's now a destination holiday place because people like you blazed the trail some time ago for the rest of us to be able to go right I love that you're laughing <laughs> it made me terrified to travel for a really long time like like if I wasn't traveling with a man or with a big group I was usually quite scared. Now I'm way better. Like, but when I was younger, like, it, it definitely put me off. So thank you for speaking that into my life. I will do that. I you're will travel more. You're a trendsetter and a trailblazer. That's that's <laughs> that's how that's how we're spinning that story for the good of the community. <laughs> but unpopular opinion you have about Lauren Hill's album that interludes are better than the songs. Is that what? No, I, I didn't say better than the songs. <laughs> don't, don't do that to my career. I didn't say better than the songs. I said that the interludes were genius. It's like just something that made it stand out to me like it wasn't no one else has done in my mind and in my experience i haven't seen anyone else do it like that like i actually could memorize a lot of what the kids say in in the interludes if you don't know then where have you been um but yeah i'm not saying it's better than the songs that's crazy i'm saying that it's just an amazing touch that shows her talent and i just love that yeah got it got trying it trying to destroy okay. my life don't do that you dug yourself out of that one nicely <laughs> um <laughs> but moving on to the main part of the episode we're here to talk about your journey from going from someone who worked a regular office job, a nine to five, like most of the people listening to this, but had an ambition of going on to be a content creator and making that their full-time gig. Now, let's start from kind of where you are now. What is it that you actually do? Because people say content creator all the time, but it just usually means not a great deal. Yeah, ouch. Um... <laughs> no, you see it in some people's bio and where's the content? 
Yeah, it's hard, man. <laughs> but I hear it. I hear what you're saying. I'm glad to have elevated from that point. Um, I think essentially for me, it's as simple as I have an idea and I know how that idea impacts me. So I create content so that other people can experience that idea. And um, usually the way it's the most effective is when I share some sort of message. So there's a point. It's either to make you laugh, to make you think, to connect with you. Um, and I just find interesting, coy ways of doing that. Um, yeah, so that's what being a content creator is to me. Literally, my own private thoughts made public. Um, and hopefully it makes you laugh or smile or cry or something. See, that's interesting because a lot of the time you see content on the internet and it doesn't seem deliberate. But when you explain it like that, it seems like I want to, I have a purpose for this piece of content. It has a job to do, essentially. And you you build it with that in mind. And I think not having that perspective sometimes makes people disrespect content creators, kind of like I did when I was just in your bio, you're not doing anything. But <laughs> that's that's good perspective. How did you like, get into it? Like, when How did you first get started? um okay so i don't know i was feeling of i feel like lying right now <laughs> so because i'm really scared that when i'm a multi-billionaire someone's gonna be like oh how she got her style was so serendipitous but we moved um i was i was in a job i hated but in this nine-to-five culture they will hate you they'll be mean to you during the day but then they'll invite you for drinks in the evening so i was at drinks um and i had my very first beer never had a drink i don't think i'd even been into a pub at that point i didn't even know that was a thing we did um shout out black prince and um prince Beckham and all of that but um anyway um i i drank a beer it was horrible i got really waved um and i but not kept crazy wave but anyway i was on the train and i was just having a vibe by myself you know just very approachable very waved very happy not ugly waved happy wave yeah and there were two guys on the train and they kind of approached me and obviously being a sweet one <laughs> um i just was like no sir please i'm going to church um <laughs> Please do not disturb me on my pursuit for greatness. Um, no, they and they, they were like, we're not moving to you. I said, awkward. Um, they were like, um, we are actually looking for a contestant for our show. And I've never, and when I think of shows, I think of them as these really get like really hard to access private rooms. I mean, I was like, show contestant, like what is this? Anyway, I wasn't confident enough to trust what they said and just be on a show that I don't know anything about. But I said to them, you know what, I would love to know more about production. Looking back, that was probably a lie, but I knew I was desperate to change my circumstance and to not stay in the job I was in. Um, so they invited, so um, I used to like kind of just message them saying, oh, is there anything up? Like, is there anything I can help? I'm happy to carry the light in. I just want to, yeah, I wanted to know what the, the, the ecosystem of this was. Because obviously what I thought in my head wasn't true. It's not this private room that's only for certain people. It's like, these guys are doing it and they literally looked my age they were like 29 so they're older than me but they were black boys that spoke like me and everything like that so I was like what is this what is this world um and then eventually they were like all right we got invited to YouTube Black um so come down and just you know hang out and see what you could do and that's that was the first time I saw Nella Rose and Idrea um that's maybe people that you lot would recognize but then also like some incredible creatives that are like probably their profile is in specific fields or whatever and it was I looked around and it was like a theme park but for my mind I was like this is this makes sense to me um and I didn't know this existed I felt like I stepped into this world where like my perspective would connect with somebody so anyway from after that then um, that's where I met um, DJ Matthews that night and he was actually not talking to me he was talking to Annie Dreyer when he was inviting he was trying to pitch timeline to 
to her for those who don't know what timeline is it's a music show that i used to do weekly um and yeah it was like it was it was really good i really enjoyed it but um yeah he was talking to annie Drea and i kept standing in front of her <laughs> only because i felt like annie is too busy for this but i've got time <laughs> i've got the time <laughs> okay um and so then after that so every time he would speak to annie Drea, i will just stand there i was like yeah no i and he would kept mentioning everyday struggle and i remember when i first came out of uni it took me a while to find a job so i watched everyday struggle all the time um and yeah so when he i connected with him on that and i was like do you know what i would love to audition so when they um, brought up auditions i went and i you know that's how i started my my life with timeline and yeah eventually presenting and everything i'm doing now wow so it's serendipitous but it was kind of something you were looking for um must have been a weird experience getting up because you hear that people get approached right apparently Naomi Gamble got approached to be a model walking down the high street or something like that and you got approached on the train and it kind of worked out and you mentioned a couple of things obviously timeline of the show that you were on originally that's where I first heard of you and for people who haven't seen it it's on YouTube it's actually very funny and quite engaging especially the early episodes where uh, they haven't started getting responses from rappers who were angry at them um but youtube black talk to people about youtube black because that's something that most people may not have heard of okay so youtube black um i've had not that much engagement with them that's a lie actually no youtube black is this the it's like this focus on black creators because what you find a lot is that black creators often get the least amount of money the least amount of views and what that could accidentally translate to is that we're just less interesting or we're less we're not as good but we know that's a lie we know that's a lie we know that there's biases and there's whole entire systems in place that minimize how much we can gain and that's honestly it annoys me when black people for the sake of pride ignore the amount of obstacles that are against us it does not make sense like be aware of your environment be aware of of what you're up against so you can adequately prepare rather than pretending like we're equal or the same it's just silly like so anyway um youtube black or somebody in their offices or whatever is and it's a deliberate it's like a deliberate like campaign or initiative to ensure that they support black creators um and whatever these barriers are we can overcome and um, some people find that they're some people think they're really really effective some people do i think that it's amazing i think it's amazing to even have that initiative i think it's amazing to have a place to go to to ask questions um and yeah to be celebrated for the content you make for your community um even though you know we're making it for everyone yeah so that's what youtube black is Awesome. Well, thanks for explaining that. And I guess if anyone wants to find out about it, you can go on YouTube and search YouTube Black. I'm sure they've got some more information on there. But what does your average day look like now? So that you got started sort of grinding behind the scenes and trying to connect the dots, uh, being assertive and wanting to take take advantage of opportunity. And nowadays, where you've got a bit of a reputation, you've got a CV going, um, what does your average day look like? Um, so my average day right now, no two days are the same. So like, for instance, yesterday was all focused on finishing an episode of the Safe Space show, which meant I didn't move. I was sat at my desk in my room for the whole day. Um, then another day would be me filming pieces of content for like free, when I freelance for different companies and different brands. Um, another day would be coming up with concepts for shows or ideas that I will pitch, um, and yeah, so essentially, like, or then I might be called to host in the evening, host in the morning. Um, it could be a carnival. It could be I could be presenting for Yam Carnival 
or I could be um, going to a pod <laughs> and, and, and zooming in from home. So nothing is the same about it, which I love. Like no two days are the same. That's one thing I do love about this experience and this choice I've made. Um, so, yeah. Okay. So tons of flexibility in a day, which w- might drive some people crazy who, who lack a specific routine. But does that mean that you can basically stay in bed until like one o'clock and then decide to do what you want? Or do you have some, I don't know, are there constraints? I think if I think if content creation is a hobby and something that you kind of have like w- w- sparring thoughts about, like just like oh I've got an idea, let me do something. Then cool, stay in bed till one if that's your choice. But I think if you are making an income from it, um, no, wake up early. Like well, even if it's something as simple as taking pictures, people talk all the time about like natural lighting. <laughs> There's a <laughs> you have to be up by seven. I know that sounds crazy, but honestly, that is what gets the likes that means that the brand that is sponsoring you will continue to sponsor you or do you know what i'm saying like it be- you you actually become so intentional about the things that people overlook and so that's probably why people don't um, respect content creators to the 10th degree but it is a very like task like oh it's very on you like nothing is about accident nothing is by, <laughs> is by accident um so yeah yeah the amount of time it takes to make a one minute piece of something um that people like and not look at they only look at the first 15 seconds of it or whatever it's crazy it's crazy <laughs> so it's int- yeah it's, I, I heard this thing before where it said look looking effortless takes a lot of hard work i think so i haven't even mastered it i genuinely haven't even mastered it like when i see the people that have mastered it you know you just think that they they just got it together and it's like they have a they know what their campaign for easter is as early as february do you know what I mean? Like, there's a lot of care, there's a lot of analness, there's a lot of like being on top of it that they have. That I think, by the way, I make up a lot of words, by the way, guys. <laughs> um, but you you hear them as I get comfortable. But yeah, there's a lot of like just being on top of it. And if you're not on top of it, you will find yourself kind of chasing your tail um, and not enjoying it. And it will come through in your content. So yeah. Huh. So that's the backstory that's what you're doing today but we kind of know all of this is about you're on black millennial money we need to know how much money are you making and obviously today is different from yesterday yesterday's price is not today's price as we know but going all the way back to timeline after you managed to get your foot in the door with dj matthews at youtube black which is again a, a serendipitous opportunity how much money were you making when you're on timeline every week talking about rappers and other sorts of musicians? Um, absolutely zero pence. In fact, probably minus because I had to pay for my travel there. Um, you know, we all did. Do you know what I mean? It was kind of a team thing. It wasn't like we were employed by somebody. It was like, we're all in this. So, um, yeah, like I, I probably was a minus because I had to travel there. You know what I mean? By birthday kicks for whose birthday it was. <laughs> that, was on, that was all our jobs, by the way. But, um, yeah. Yeah, I didn't make any money at the, at the beginning. And just to clarify, I, we YouTube Black was an event where I met DJ Matthews. It wasn't like something that hired us or anything like that. So just so you know. Got it. Okay. So making no money from Timeline, did that affect your work life at all? No. At the same time that I started Timeline, literally the same week, I got a new job in advertising. It was my biggest salary yet. They gave me champagne, like they sent champagne to my house with it. You know that that career, this is a career, this is not a job. It was that job. Um, um, and so I started that at the same time. So it made Timeline a, really an experience because it was a choice. 
I had a job that paid me incredibly well. Like, you know what I mean? So Timeline was really a place where I could just learn, just have fun. I didn't, there was no metrics that were holding me down. As long as I turned up every day and I cared, that was enough. So it was a really safe, it was a very safe place for me to kind of mold myself, I think. Got it. So when was your first opportunity to actually get paid for being a creator then? Um, it was probably towards the end of timeline where like everyone kind of started to do their own thing. Um, and I know that, like I said, always be super honest with yourself. I think on the timeline platform, I was probably the smallest fish. You know, I didn't have social media before timeline, didn't have Twitter, <laughs> didn't have any of that. DJ Matthews and Puddy were quite established at that point. So I realized that I kind of, um, had created a little bit of a something like I was like, what am I going to do with it? It wasn't overly thought out, but I was like, I know some people. And at the same time, I think Nux was doing his, one of his headline shows, either his first or second. And so I just reached out and I said, do you guys need someone to host your live show? You know? And they were like down and they're like, yeah, I was like, I was like, I'll do it for a hundred unless you let me interview the people backstage and then I won't take any money. And so they let me interview the people backstage. So I didn't even get money for that, but that was the first time I started to like, try and tease money out of the situation once again i wasn't desperate for it because yeah it was good yeah the corporate job was okay um but i was I'm really unhappy at it so it was getting harder to do it if you get what i mean um yeah, yeah. okay so first job you actually and there's there's a lesson in there for people where the first time you get to make money actually look for value beyond it because your first paycheck is not going to be the one that changes your life it's not going to mean as much as you think it will in the long term in that moment where you're like yes i've got money the reality of it is the opportunity is bigger and the the chance to create that content will live longer than the 100 pounds or so that you are going to make so timeline didn't make any money you traded money for opportunity at the nux show so when was the first time you actually made some money the money hit your bank account yeah, um, the first time money hit my bank account was probably for me to make an ad, um, two ads for a for an organization. I don't think I'm allowed to say who they are, but um, I had to make um, an ad for them, and that was essentially a one minute piece of content promoting their services, but like in with koi with my personality attached. If you get what I mean, um. Yeah, so that, that was probably the big, that was the first time I hit four figures. I don't know if I was going to jump to that. But I think that was like probably also like the second or third time I even tried to get money out of this. Um, probably before that was probably people, oh, before that, sorry, <laughs> was probably um, a smaller deal um, where I created content, but I didn't charge the right amount. I charged very little. I, I charged like £300 to create like one like a one minute piece of thingy which to be fair at the moment was like oh this is amazing um but when i look back on the amount of work yeah so undercharging at the time so fast forward to today where season one of the safe space took off 150,000 views on just four episodes of the first season are you making good money now is there hope in the content game for the people who aspire to be like you yeah um yes yes 100% you see the my confidence in um <clears throat> in my ability to make money didn't come from the content game it came from working in advertising i saw the amount of money that was exchanged for ideas that i could have come up with in my in my worst sleep like not not to be <clears throat> overly confident but every business wants to grow every business wants to reach more people um 
we as consumers are become so savvy. We can tell when something is an ad. We run away from it. So what I did on the safe space was make ads something you want to watch by making them entertainment. I made them entertaining. Um, and, I, and I only worked with people that I thought I would buy from. Um, even if you check any of the clients I've ever had, they have to send me their stuff or I have to taste their stuff. Or I have to engage with their stuff before I put it on my channel because that reputation is so important to me. Like once you lose that, ciao, it's... <laughs> You know what I mean? So um, from the beginning, I was very aware of these things that I think if I didn't have my day job um, in terms of advertising, I wouldn't have understood the value of everything. I would have probably just taken whatever check. Um, and I probably wouldn't even known how to monetize as quickly. So, um, yeah, I think I can't remember what your question was, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. You did answer in the end. But that kind of brings us to the end of this half of the episode where really what we've discovered here, and I want to pull out a couple of learnings, is really that opportunity comes at you in the most random of times, right? If you, if you know you want to do something, stay open to it. And when an opportunity presents itself, like two random people talking to you on the train, maybe you're not quite ready or feeling so bold in the moment, but what could come from this? What's the best way to get something out of this situation? And once you start to develop, be bold in the moment, because that opportunity at YouTube, when they write the YouTube Black event, where deliberately engaging with people, making sure people felt your presence and actually thought, okay, come and audition. That is what you do when the moment presents itself. And sometimes you don't realize you're in the moment. You don't realize it until it's too late. But being open and receptive, allows you to capitalize on it and waiting for the money to come is ultimately what all of us are wrong because no matter how much money you're making today you are underpaid period underpaid you could be making two million pounds this morning alone you're underpaid because it's back pay based on what you've already contributed what you've already contributed and all the work that you've done if you want to hear more about making the transition because we're getting really deep into the transition piece the thinking behind it and the motivations that many of you are probably feeling about making this shift from full-time work to even being a creator or doing something that you feel you're more drawn to as a passion stay tuned and we'll see you after the break you may not know this but we have a patreon page patreon is a platform that makes it super easy for people to support creators here at black millennial money our mission is to reach millions of people around the world with life-changing financial information and you can be part of that Head over to patreon.com forward slash black millennial money or click the link in the description to sign up and start supporting us today. And we are back on this episode of Black Millennial Money where we are talking about how you can make the transition from your corporate job to being a creator or whatever you're you feel you're drawn to do from your passions we have koi on the show today and we have been talking to her about how she made the transition. We're gonna get really deep into that today. So Koi, when did you realize you wanted to go full time as a creator? Um, when did I realize I want to go full time? Like quite early on, the job, the job that I spoke about, the career job, the advertising job, um, quickly turned into like a lot of admin and no creativity. And as a like a very academic Nigerian like young woman who wants to boss it out and stuff and make money, um, I decided my creativity needed to be corporate um for me to make money like so i was like advertising is perfect i tried fashion um advertising i was like yeah this is perfect um and what they advertised for the role which was you know essentially i thought i'd be coming up with ads i thought i'd be smoking a cigarette i don't smoke but smoking a, like mad mad men in it smoking coming up with concepts then somebody will run around and do all of that stuff i didn't realize i was the runaround <laughs> i was the person that they were expecting to bring 
like they had this floor it was on the top floors i can't give away too many details but it was a it was this floor full of like creatives and so they got to like it was a lot i'm sure it was a lot of hard work but they got to like create and then there was other floors for production and for you know project management and for account executives and stuff and when I realized that this wasn't something where I was going to progress into this other department, that was never, that wasn't what I was hired for. It was actually just like when they, I remember the moment, I remember my manager, because they loved me because I was like black, (laughs) but like a black that they felt comfortable around. Do you know what I mean? And and trust me, I'm South London, everything in it. But I think just the range of my um, academic upbringing just allowed me to like, you know, Code switch, essentially, I think is the right word of saying it. So they they loved me. I was like, they're, they're new black. Like, oof. Do you know what I mean? Like, I was very much a like, black South London babe. But they could talk to me. They felt good. It gave them the, that little thrill. Anyway. So, <laughs> so, so um, they were like, um, they wanted me there. And they used to say stuff like, Koi, like, you could be here in 10 years. And I looked at who they were talking about. And I, and I, I rebuked it. <laughs> I rebuked it. Somebody that lives in the office, somebody that on their Saturday, if a client calls them, they must change their plans and entertain that um, client because they can't lose that million dollar business for for what a fraction of that? No, 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 no. You're not talking to me. You're talking to the other one because you're not talking to me. So I quickly started to realize that there was no future there for me. But I felt a lot of pressure. You know, you know, financially, it was the best I've had, um, and. I, it was a lovely environment. It was so lovely that like, even when I had a breakup, they all got me carrot cake, told me I did, could take the day off work. It was actually a nice environment. So it wasn't like a horrible work environment like like previous jobs. So a part of me felt really ungrateful for wanting to leave. Um, a part of me didn't see anybody else do it. Like when I saw a lot of girls um, on social media that were doing content creation, they were doing it alongside their day job. That, that's the mature way to do it. That's the, that's the reasonable way to do it. Um, m- and I'm sure that's a way I could do it, but I'm not going to lie to you guys. Tried and tested. I, when I'm unhappy in a place, it does really drain me regarding other things. And I felt a little guilt about that. I was like, look at you, your, your parents traveled to this country, worked jobs they didn't like, and you can't even tolerate a well-paying job. I felt so much guilt and so much like a failure and so unhappy, um, within reason. So subjective to what I think is unhappy is. And, um, yeah, when I realized that I, I wanted to go full time was when I realized I couldn't continue doing what I was doing. I would come home, even if when even when they let me off early, like let's say two o'clock because of Christmas party or whatever, I would come home and just go straight to bed or go to a place of comfort because I just I felt so drained by the day because I had my job, pretending I was enjoying my job. Um <laughs> do you know what I mean? Being who they wanted me to be, um, and pretending like I was happy. It, it was exhausting. So, so I, even when I had my time off, all I wanted to do was preserve my energy and protect myself. I didn't want to, you know, and, and even as I'm saying that, I'm sure there's people thinking, what are you talking about? You could have affirmed it. You could have whatever. And that's fine. That's you. But for me, I just knew my reality. And that's when I realized I had to go full time. <laughs> I hear that. And I, I had a similar experience, but it was different where I started my career in sales and I was selling cars at Ford and it was good for a bit. And then I changed and went to Mercedes and I thought bigger brand, it would be even better. But there, there were times at both jobs where, uh, uh, trigger warning here, people, um, where I would be driving to work and I'll be thinking, I really don't want to go to work. I really don't want to go to work. What's the least dangerous way 
I could just clip and have a mini accident, a really small accident where everybody's fine, but it means I get two weeks off work because I'm traumatized and whatever other reason I can tell them. I'm absolutely physically fine. No one else gets hurt. But when I'm driving to work at 8.30 in the morning, I'm thinking, okay, this is the 8406. If Did someone leave a piece of metal on the road just so, just so I could? And that what was, I was living like that for months. So I completely relate to the idea of really dreading going to work. And I'm sure some people here do that. But you kind of, and a lot of the time we all stick through this stuff. But you got a little bit of a blessing in disguise where uh, <laughs> a door opened. You want to talk about that? <laughs> yes. So um, I was ready to leave. I told um, someone at work, because I, I think she still works there, so I'm not going to say her name. But um I told her that like, everyone everyone knew I was unhappy there. Like everyone, like, you know, certain people that would invest in me and be excited about me no longer was doing that because they could see, like, I remember they had a conversation with me saying, Koi, if you had to pick between timeline, which was a, a unpaid one hour commitment <laughs> at the end of the week or this job, I remember like the head head came to me and spoke to me about that. Cause you know, they tried to be cool and not hierarchical, but it was hierarchical. And then um, they were like, yeah, what would you pick? And I was like, I could do both. And I could see in her face, that was the wrong answer. <laughs> but for me, I only had to exist as Koi. So I was just saying, was, but you know, I picked up on that. So anyway, um, I remember telling someone that like, yeah, I think I'm going to leave. And I remember feeling bad about that because I have responsibilities. I'm the eldest, all of this stuff, you know, I just have responsibilities. So I remember like family members just saying, wait out, just wait out. And obviously I'm a big believer in God. And um, yeah, I got made redundant, didn't it? <laughs> so they opened the door. <laughs> he, made, he works in mysterious ways. You heard that, I believe. Um, I got made redundant. And I remember them coming to me because I'd literally been invited to the Brits beforehand. So the girl didn't tell me that day. She told me the day after when I came back, um, when I, you know, was meant to go and, and all of that. And she was like, she caught me in the photocopy room and she said to me, Kwe, I've got something to tell you, but I don't know if you're going to be happy, but I think you're going to be happy. I was like, what? And I knew what she was going to say, but I just held my breath. She was like, they put you on the disc because we just lost business. Um, and it was a business I was working on. Not because of me, guys, but it was a business I was working on. Um, and so that happened and then COVID happened. So I was put on this list. And when then when I realized, when COVID was happening, I realized if I'm, a, <laughs> there's going to be more people on that list. So the people that were on that list the first time, they're definitely going to be out. But I remember when she told me, I'm panic. Panic surged through my body. Because I was like, now there's no excuse. Like now all this potential that I've been telling myself I have and people have been seeing in me needs to be realized. Or what am I? Like, what am I doing? Um, and anyway, so yeah, that, yeah, I got told that. And then um, I got, I had about like six months from that moment of being told to the moment that like, it was like, okay, quiet. Um, but once again, it was wherever you are, try and leave a good impression because you never know what's going to help you. Everybody worked together for my good in that place. Um, the package I left with was beautiful. Um, and it gave me comfort. It gave me comfort for about a year um, to kind of figure out what I was doing. It wasn't, it wasn't a lavish year, but it was a year um, to figure out what I was going to do. So, yeah. Got it. Um, hmm. So, redundancy helped. But do you think you even waited too long to make that decision? Or, in fact, it was made for you to a degree. Do you think you had waited too long to, to leave? No. I remember somebody else, because they gave us a massive bonus when we got the job. And I spent that bonus. 
<laughs> um, I was there for like, about two years, whatever. So I spent that bonus. So the point is that you stay there for up to three years and then you'd have to pay that bonus back. But that meant I would have had to pay that massive bonus back if I left before the two years. So that's that was what felt like prison to me. Like I, I couldn't move, you know, it wouldn't have just been leaving a job. It would have been leaving a job and having to pay the job back a certain amount of money. It, you know what I mean? It just was, which meant I would have had to get another job to do that. And I always, at one point I got very confident on the fact that I don't think a nine to five in this way, in this traditional way is for me. Um, so I didn't want to go and now tie myself to another one. Um, I didn't stay there for too long. I think I needed the time. Even with the time given, did I even plan enough? No. So, so I probably should have waited a little bit longer. But um, for my mental, for my well-being, I left at the right time for me. Hmm. Okay. Now, that's quite revealing. That's quite... There's a word for it, but I can't pronounce it. Um, try. Try. Give it a go. Revelatory? I think this is Ooh. the right word. Um, <laughs> Because I don't, we all do this, right? We we retrospectively rationalize our decisions, and you know what? We we may actually be really right that it was the perfect timing. That had had you left earlier, it's one of those things where you just never know. You leave earlier, then you walk into a Disney contract, and the bonus what? I'll pay you back, though. Though you know I'm a wanna or something like that, right? Or <laughs> and those things could happen, but you just never know. But what do you think it really was holding you back? Because you did talk about a plan. Did that turn into a lack of clarity as well? Especially because, you, as you had said, this had to get real now if you were going to leave. You couldn't just turn your back on this job and not make it. Yeah. Um, I think what I did over the time... You see, when you hit where you are, you've got to believe somewhere else is better, innit? So the somewhere else that's better was my me investing in my actual talents. I believed in me. Like, I really believed in me. Like, I had a track record of knowing what I could do um, in terms of performing and connecting with people and stuff like that. Um, and when I say track record, it wasn't... It was just my day-to-day -day life. Like, I love talking to people. I know that sounds, like, weak or meek, but... I, you know what is A girl, shout read, love you, babe. Like, she said to me, Koi, like, you, your ability to talk to people and connect with people is not, like, common. Like... In terms of, I know all of us can talk to people uh, and stuff like that. I'm not taking away. But, like, your gift might be maths. Your gift might be... I used to hate my gift. I was like, what is this? I want to be able to build stuff with my bare hands or or do math sums in my head really quickly. Like, I used to think I didn't actually have a talent. And it was in that moment, I remember, like, in that moment when she said, Quay, like, your ability to, like, that's your that's your thing, isn't it? And I said, that is a thing because not everyone can do it. Um, so let me build around the thing that I naturally have the resources for rather than building around the thing I don't like if I get a job in something that's really technical I'm gonna always be running I'm gonna have to continually be fueled up or like do you, do you know what I'm saying like it makes life easier when you're how you make your money is based on what is natural to you do you know what I mean um so I don't remember your question I'm so sorry about this <laughs> no you, you answered it and you gave me a little bit more than you gave me a little bit more than I asked for and Again, it triggered an example that we've used on the show before where you take a fish out of water and it looks like, why did God create this thing? You put a fish on land, it's like, what is the point in this thing, right? Whereas you put a fish on water and it's just effortless. It just looks like, why, why was it ever on land, right? And that's, that's, 
that's what I encourage people to lean into, man. The look on your face, I'm saying that sounds like that some is of you relate. Literally, to. what that exact thing. I thought I came up with it. No word of a lie. That exact <laughs> sentence. That exact sentence was what was in my head when I was going through this very clear transition. It was like I was in a job where I felt stupid. I felt not good enough. I felt like a bumbling fool all the time. Like I was anxious. Just, like, I'm going to take mental health out of it for a quick second so that everybody can just connect with me in a, for a quick second. Like I felt stupid. There was a door here that you had to walk through to get to my desk, but you had to wait like three seconds before you could pull that door open. I was so tight and anxious <laughs> that every time I tried to go to the toilet, I would just pull the door straight away in it. Now I look like an idiot because I'm wrestling with the door. And I did this every time. Guys, I sat at that desk for six months. It got to a point where I stopped going to the toilet. I just stopped going to the toilet because I, I, I hate how much of a fool. People probably didn't even care or even looked at me. But when you're unhappy, it's like a cloud over you all the time. And, and I realized I'm not an idiot. I was given a, a, a scholarship to private school. I have an amazing academic track record. I can conversate with anyone. Like These things will make you forget who you are. When you're in the wrong situation, you could start to think you're not worthy do you know what I mean and I was like I that was another reason why I had to leave it was robbing me of like my excitement for 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 life <laughs> in, a, in a way and that exact sentence is what I said to Ri I was like if you put a fish um on land it will do nothing it will look like an absolute waste of time you put it where it's meant to be it's gonna blow your mind I was ready to blow people's minds do you know what I mean like that it's so crazy you say I've never heard anyone say that except from the time I said it to Ri Wow, sorry, I'm excited. No, it's fine. Great minds think alike, but I think I said it better, but it's fine. It's fine. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So you made the shift and I feel like a lot of things we're talking about here, many people can resonate with. I'm not telling everyone to walk into their office whenever they listen to this, tell your manager about themselves and walk right out. That's not. (laughs) <laughs> that's not what I'm recommending that might be what Koi's saying but it's definitely not what I'm recommending but when, but in your journey when did you realize that you had made the right decision and I think you told me something about Amazon talk to me about Amazon okay wow this is what we're doing so basically I knew I made the right decision from how my happiness was different I don't think I've been this happy since I was I'm not allowed to swear since I was taking milk from my mother as a child or in the womb or something like that. Okay. okay. Please continue. Please continue. (laughs) I think I was so happy. Like, I feel like my level of happiness was like consistently quite poor. And I'm being unhappy. I guess we normalize as adults. So you you have to get through it. This is just how life is. Your life, not mine. Like for me, (laughs) I decided like when I, when I, because basically they stopped, they stopped including me on calls and stuff because everyone knew what was going to come and all of that stuff. So I had way more time. That's when I started my first piece of content, which was the fashion safe space. And the excitement. Ah, oh, it took me back to year nine. I think the last time I... Because I love learning. I just didn't love school. But I love learning. And so that's when I knew I made the right decision within myself. I just knew it would take time and, and, and focus to make it into something that everybody else celebrates. But I think the time when I realized I made it, it was... You're making content in your room. Um, a couple thousand people are going to see it. You know, you might get invited to a few things here and there. It's amazing. It's actually really fun at the beginning. Um, but that doesn't ne- that doesn't necessarily feel like a career all the time. Do you know what I mean? It feels like kind of yeah. It feels like a good day, right? Then I got invited to. I got pitched for. I, I don't know how much I could tell you. So I'm gonna. I might be a bit vague, but I'm gonna make it clear so everyone can take what I'm saying in. I got invited um to be a host on a show. 
they, they pitched me, sorry, they put me up for something. And I didn't get it because, you know, I'm still new to this. Some of my metrics weren't metricing or whatever. But um, the people that put me up were like, doesn't matter, we still see value in you. We want you to come and we want you to do the live, some some stuff live. Um, but it was so weird because now, yeah, I was physically watching where I want to be. And I, and it was it was crazy. Like I'm watching people present. I'm watching people host. I'm watching the lights on them. The makeup artists come in and doing it. And I'm watching them. And the things that they're probably a couple of years removed from me in terms of they've been doing it for longer and they've you know they've really finessed themselves. And but you can still see that they're excited to be there. You know what I mean? That like they are they are loving it. They're like FaceTiming and all of that. And um, it was a moment where I what I love about content creation is that there's no rules. Like it's literally your value is determined by obviously people have to mess with you and all of that, but it's determined by what you put in and what you create. There's an element, there's a, it feels like there's more control in this, in my mind. Um, and yeah, so the moment I realized that I made the right decision was very early on, but it's been constantly kind of, you know, like kind of confirmed. There's been hard days as well. Oh my goodness. There's been hard days, but none of the hard days will ever make me walk away or walk to go back. No, that's amazing. And there's a lesson in that that you will be so close to the thing that you want but not value the journey that took you this close because you were literally standing there not doing what you what you were dreaming about doing but still able to stay in the moment still able to to acknowledge that this is this is the energy I want to feel. This is the room that I want to be in. And for people listening to that, you may be volunteering or doing stuff for free, but don't discount it. Don't understate it because you're a step closer to the thing you really want to be doing. You're a step closer to who you believe you are and living the life that you're ultimately setting yourself up for. Now, this is a finance podcast. We talk about money here a lot. So we've talked about the journey, the mindset, the emotional side of things, but financially, how did you make, how did you prepare to make the leap from full-time employment? And um, admittedly, you were made redundant, so you had a, a lump sum of cash, but did you have any plans as to how that cash was going to serve you? Uh, not at all. I spent it as I needed it <laughs> at the time when I needed it. I had no plans. At first, I put like a massive chunk of it somewhere else and then I just went into that chunk and I went to that chunk I've never been the most like on it financially I've always been a bit of a hippie um love life enjoy um not enjoyment but just like money has never been something that w it's not been the biggest motivator for me in any situation before ask my exes um I just yeah yeah I just I like I like you know that kind of stuff but um yeah no so don't to answer your question no i didn't really have a plan i just thought hopefully i make enough money to not go, go in a bad situation so yeah but why didn't you have a plan though what is a plan in my head like my plan was whatever the plan is would need more money anyway so just make more money that, this sounds so like by the way i now know <laughs> that <laughs> that there's more but like you see how i said people was my strength this side isn't necessarily my strength. My my idea is make more than you're spending. That is probably the extent of, of how much focus I put on the financial plan. Um, I had extensive plans in terms of content creation and how I would monetize that. I guess, yeah, like I had extensive plans, but you need to understand, I was a creative that needed to make money so I could keep creating. I wasn't a business person. Do you know what I mean? So 
the business was this byproduct of me saying this is the life I want. Um, so then I all of a sudden had to switch it up. And I know that there's probably tons of gaps in it. But I was like, how do I make big bank? Like when I compare the money I make, so I, I almost hit my like my 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 old work salary. I haven't hit it yet, but this was like this is like a little bit less than year one. Um, and yeah, so I don't know. I just yeah, I'm going to stop babbling. No, the answer is no. <laughs> no. So you didn't have a plan, and your focus was more on actually doing the creative work that you felt you were being pulled away from. Now in order to be able to deliver on that, did you put any rules in place? Were there things that you said, I can't let this go, otherwise I'm going to feel like I'm unemployed? Which technically you were. Yeah, well, first of all, keep your negative energy over there, thank you. Um, <laughs> so, yes, I, w- I still work up at 6am every day. Um, you need to understand, so I live with my, my, live with my parents, I live with my mum and my siblings, and so it was really important to me that they didn't panic like, do you know what I mean? Like, I, oh, they didn't feel like the, uh, there's been a seismic shift. So the way to not do that is to not look like a bum. Do you know what I mean? To look like I'm doing something. If I'm trying to get their faith. And they, they to be fair, they were very quick to believe in me because I had put off this creative urge for a long time and prioritised what was sensible for a long time. Um, so they were very quick to be on, on Team Koi. But, yeah, like, I, I don't know. I just, I think the main things was making sure that I would leave my house and, and do a walk. So when I was walking to work, um, my old job, that was like probably the most exercise I did. But it was important for me to do that because that's why I did all my thinking. Um, so I, I kind of kept that going for a little while. I ate healthy. I kept, I know this sounds like there's nothing to do with work, but it was really important that I didn't allow myself to get into a down position or to make myself feel like I had limitless amount of time. I needed the structure i'm not the most like time organized person but i needed the structure because you'll be surprised how a day can fly by when i first came out of uni i was unemployed entire weeks flew by with me doing not a thing do you know what i mean if you it will run past you if you don't grab it so it was important for me to have that kind of structure but remember i wasn't sad i wasn't sad about my situation so it was hard it was easier to to kind of put these things in place i wasn't i didn't have to fight myself to do it um but yeah so that's that's all I did. I wish I, I guess I could have done way more. No, but that's actually pretty hard to maintain because most of us wake up at the time that we're required to in order to get to work on time. Most of us don't overeat at lunch because we need to stay awake in the afternoon at work, right? So all of the, so it's interesting how work creates a system for us to be able to function in and and we get to make choices, but the choices are predicated on our performance elsewhere. When you're working for yourself and particularly working from home you can find those things start to slip and all of us in our nine to five lives when we had them well when when you had them you when you had three or four days off you realize why am i in bed till 10 why have i not showered and it's two o'clock and if you now need to become a self-employed person you actually need to put those rules in the structure in for yourself in order to be able to get the best out of yourself and ultimately make money right because you had an advantage of being able to stay at home, but that doesn't mean you don't make any mistakes, right? And um, let's let's talk to let's talk to a couple of them. So, um, when we were prepping for this episode, you were talking about managing your cash flow and the living paycheck to paycheck bit. What happened, and when did you realize that this probably isn't the best way to do it? Okay, time for serious honesty, honesty, honesty. Okay, I have almost always just gone from paycheck to paycheck um 
maybe it's a bad habit, maybe it's whatever. I put money to the side, but nothing's going to stop me from going and touch that money. Um, my main goal was very simple, make more than I'm spending. And I don't want to see minus. I don't want to see debt. Um, so I remember my first goal when I came out of uni, because I went into my overdraft when I was at uni, was to get out of that. It was a massive focus for me. And then once I got to like a good even level, it was just maintaining and just leaving a bit that if anything surprising happened, because it's really important for me to to be there for my family. It's really important. Like I, it's, it's, I, t- I know people find pressure. Maybe it's pressurizing, but I find it as a, 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 a badge of honor, essentially. So I always leave a little bit for that. But other than that, investing, <laughs> um, um, all these things that sound really cool that people talk about on Twitter, like, it's not that I didn't have interest in it. I just didn't have this. It just didn't prioritize my, it wasn't in my brain. Like I was like this, this just always make more than you're spending. Just always make more than you're spending and you'll be fine. That's kind of, and then I speak to people like you and it's like, girl, that's like the least efficient way to keep up. So yeah, in terms of cash flow, it was just spend less, but then I'm investing in a whole new like thing. You know what I mean? And there's costs that come from so many things I couldn't even, I couldn't even. And also when you're, you need to like spend money like for no reason when when you're doing these kind of things like first it was equipment fine i did that bit by bit no problem but then it's like registering it's like um additional services you might need i i used to think so when you don't have a job right and you're doing your thing but you're not making enough money from it at what point do you get an accountant at what point do you start a bank like a business at what point in your business do you have to register as a business like all these things i couldn't find a clear answer for i would ask people but you you only ask people you trust because you don't want to look like a. I guess you don't go on a podcast either <laughs> here we are <laughs> you ask people you trust but everyone's story is different everyone's kind of on the fly and i was like shouldn't there be like a a space for this information readily and and i'm sure there is i just maybe just didn't look hard enough or or whatever but i just was like make more than you and then if anything you just deal with it when you deal with it and you know what on the face of it on the face of it making more than you spend is the basic fundamentals of good financial management good financial planning right but there's things to be built around that and understanding your process your journey your plan which is how I ended up in financial coaching anyway, because I needed it at one stage and now I'm, and now I'm paying it forward. And if you're looking, if people are listening, are looking for somewhere where you can find some of the information, welcome to Black Millennial Money. You came to the right place. But (laughs) just to wrap up, just to wrap up this part of the episode, I've got one last question for you. And I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if you would have thought about this a great deal, but would you ever go back to working in corporate, like a nine to five again? Only, ah, oh, I feel like a waste, man. Okay, listen, let me learn, let me learn. Only if it contributes to a vision I have. So when I when I initially stopped and I did still think, oh, maybe I might need a whatever, I wanted to actually go back to school for and do something that was tech related just because I started editing. I don't know if there's a relation, but in my head, I started to I have a phobia of computers. You you see, like I'm not the most tech savvy, but somehow I edit entire pieces of content by myself. Um, and I realized, oh, I actually like the solitude of it. I like the, the thinking of it. I like the creativity of it. So I wanted to go back to school to learn that. So if there's a corporate environment that allowed me to learn that whilst getting money, and, and I know the tech world is a lot more flexible in terms of time. I know it's intensive, but 
they don't follow the same rules as the traditional stuff. So that would be something I would consider. I'm not against nine to fives. I just know that my experience of it so far has been gutter. Thank you. Okay. So, you know what? That, it's interesting where you were talking about I have an incredible academic track record scholarships, but I'm still from South London. And that gutter was the full, was a South London full stop. So that's perfect. But the thing that really stood out to me there is where you said that if it aligns with my mission, if it's part of a bigger plan, because ultimately who you are as a person, what you want to be doing in life, is it should be predicated on the bigger plan. What do you really want for yourself? And sometimes people look at it as a job title. Sometimes people look at it as a certain income level. But really, really what you should be looking at it, in my opinion, is about the lifestyle lens. How do you want to live? Because the job you do in 10 years' time might not even exist yet. But the fact you want a three-bedroom house will always be a requirement. That's what you wanted. And also the impact you want to leave on other people. So if you believe that you're here to help others or to serve others or to impact people in some way, no matter what you're doing, you should always be doing that. So that to me was something really, really poignant that this self-employed life, my be your own boss life. No, is it your mission? What are you bring into the world what's the value that you want to have in your life and focus on doing what's the best thing for that because some people are too proud to go and drive uber while they're focusing on their dream my friend put the sticker on your car and hit the road because because that's the only way to make it go and work for free and people talk about working for free sometimes it's the only way to get access sometimes it's the only way to really see what it's like to live the life you think you want because some of us have dreams that we're not willing to pay the price for. There's no such thing as a free dream. There's no such thing as a free dream. As we say, it's all back pay. Whenever you do get paid, but you're gonna have to pay. You're gonna have to trade something off. But so to round out this this part of the episode and get me completely off my soapbox, we covered a bunch of things in this part of the episode where a lot of you will be feeling quite heavy about work, tired about work, stressed about work. Those are the triggers that your body's telling you and your mind is telling you that now is the time to start looking about how you can pursue that dream. Now is the time to look at how you can pursue something different for yourself and start making that shift. If your company is opening a door for you to leave with a golden parachute called redundancy, take it. Now is the time to do it. I wouldn't necessarily inquire about it, but find out if it's available. And then once you start working, you, once you leave, you stay working build the same systems, all the things that made you functional at your job, all the things that made you work and succeed in that place, like keeping to time, showing up, working hard, meeting deadlines, showering first thing in the morning before you leave the house. Just the idea of getting into the shower. And I've got a colleague who he works in his garage. He gets dressed in all of his clothes, like he's going to the office, walks out of the front door, goes around the block to feel like he's gone somewhere, and then goes back into his garage, which is two feet away from his house, because it gets him in the mindset for work. Whatever you need to do to stay in work mode when you're self-employed is absolutely crucial for your success going forward, because there is no way to succeed without a plan and purpose. Success doesn't happen by chance. Opportunity appears in chance circumstances, but people who, take a, people who truly take advantage of it were ready before it came. Now, stay tuned for us to continue to drop some gems as Koi shares the three things you should be doing to get into a content creator space or even to make that transition from work. 
I'll see you after the break. You may not know this, but we have a Patreon page. Patreon is a platform that makes it super easy for people to support creators. Here at Black Millennial Money, our mission is to reach millions of people around the world with life-changing financial information, and you can be part of that. Head over to patreon.com forward slash black millennial money or click the link in the description to sign up and start supporting us today. We are back on Black Millennial Money where we are talking to Koi about making the shift from corporate to creator or from whatever you want to do with your life, where your passions lie. And Koi, you've got a quick tip for us today. What is it? So my tip is that the moment that your job stops, does the work doesn't, um, you need to maintain consistency. Consistency is a definitely an area that I could focus on more. Um, and I'm telling you, it's like the key ingredient to like everything you want. Everything you want is on the other side of consistency. In addition to other things, but without consistency, maybe go and know. I see. I like that. I like that in part because people praise me a lot for being consistent on this podcast and it's hard. It, it's the hardest thing. And again, hate jay-z quotes sometimes because everybody it's like steve jobs quotes but um th- th- there was this thing where he was he must have said where the genius thing he did was uh, keep working or stay around long enough and that's what consistency is you keep showing up you keep doing the work until everybody else catches up like Kanye was crazy until he was a genius he's still crazy now but everyone says he's a genius right <laughs> Honestly, Wayne Welly's everywhere, but we rate him. Yeah, 100%. And you need to understand that the universe, no matter how talented you are, the world, the universe is okay with you not reaching your full potential. Like, everything will continue. Like, everything is okay with you being a bum. Like, everything. The only person that's not okay with you being a bum is probably going to be you. So you owe it to yourself to do everything and anything you can to be great. Like, you might think you're the most humble person in the world, but there's always a a sense of self-entitlement when you got you feel like you have a calling or a gift like oh it's gonna no you will no you will miss that opportunity no wake up you wake up you will miss it like you'll miss it and the world will continue so please continue every day every day every day every day because your goal it's not about the goal it's about the daily habits atomic habits was a very good book very very good book i think for anyone that's like me very good book but yeah there you go atomic habits consistency showing up doing it when it's not fun but mm. knowing it has to be done it's right? so hard and no one tells you well done. Nobody. Nah. By the time people start telling you well done, you would have been, where were you five years ago? I, that... Facts. <laughs> I, I get why, like, celebrities, you know, if you ever met a celebrity or influencer or anything like that, standoffish, I think I get it. They're like, you went shooting with me in the gym. Everybody now is just noise. Like, when it was hard, when I was crying out for something, nobody was there. So they actually are indifferent. You're, you might as well be a plank. Obviously, that's not how I treat people. But, <laughs> yes. but yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, I get it. Like, yeah, it definitely does something to you. Do you that's it. That's it. Incredible. So that's a quick tip. And Koi, we've got we like to keep it actionable here on Black Millennial Money. We don't just want people to listen and and be inspired and feel motivated. What we want is for people to when they park the car, take the headphones out to have things that they can get done now to get them on their way. Because there's nothing more powerful than momentum in making it look like you have just taken off, right? Momentum is the key to getting going. So what are the three things everyone listening and watching right now? So whether that's on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or whatever other streaming service is your favorite, what can they all do now to make the shift from being in corporate to being a creator? But for those of you who don't want to be a creator, these are still three things you can do to make that shift. So go for it, Koi. 
All right, so I will say specifically for content creators, the um, the barrier to entry is incredibly low. Like you don't need to have tons of money. You could borrow stuff. It's so ex- it's so accessible. Your phone, which most people have a smartphone, is good enough. If like some of you will start to like put yourself down or hold yourself back by thinking, what what can I do? What can I do? Whatever you enjoy, do on camera. There's literally, guys, have you ever heard of a show called um, Gogglebox? Like people watching TV. Like, do you know what I mean? Like everything can be content so just do what you enjoy and that usually that feeling is kind of what people buy into and for everybody who isn't about content creation before anybody was ever a chef they were just somebody trying things like don't let titles scare you if there's something you want to do just do it be bad at it learn improve like you will bring something that somebody else can't bring because it's you so like this is yeah this is not feel good factor this is just like facts do you know what i mean i was gonna say science can you imagine um okay <laughs> and the next thing is i think find your niche um the bottom line is that there's a particular shop you go to because it gives you exactly what you want there's a particular person you talk to because you know what you're going to get from them be that person as well in whatever field you're in if you want and then think about what it is that you want to give off so if it's you want to give a specific knowledge about a particular thing in a particular country be the most knowledgeable about that do you know what I mean? Even if something is your natural talent or your gift, um, you can always still be the best at it. And that's means you're always going to be everyone's go-to. I have a go-to person when I want to go on holidays, go-to person when I want to talk about boys, go-to person when I want to buy clothing. Do you know what I mean? So be someone's go-to by being very specific about what you offer. Um, yeah, it's the smartest way to be like in demand. And then I think the last thing is um, networking. So Joseph has complimented me multiple times on my ability to network yes guys <laughs> and i would say the main reason well i don't think of it as networking i know that sounds really cliche but i think when you are networking forget everything you know about networking unless you know the right stuff um and just think what would make me want to talk to me in this room like what do i bring do you know what i mean be very clear about what you bring um so if it's that you maybe you've never done um for instance i think I'll use an example that I shared with you guys. When I went to YouTube Black and, and stuff like that, I'd never done any of that, but I was the most excited to talk about stuff. I showed a passion. I knew, and they knew by the time they were done talking to me, that I would show up every day just because of that passion. Do you know what I mean? Whereas maybe other people don't have the time. I had time. Do you know what I mean? Time is an asset, a big one. So um, even if you don't have a skill set, do you have the time to learn it? Um, are you ready to do stuff around the job you want to do? Um no experience in your dream is wasted because all of it's going to, you know what I mean? If it's in your dream or your environment of your dream, it will, you will learn something. So I would say in terms of networking, be the person you want to talk to, be the most knowledgeable, the most passionate, the most something, um, and you will attract somebody there. Like, yeah. Thank you for those steps, Koya. And it's interesting where you talk about even for the create that the, the low barrier to entry didn't really apply to people who weren't creators. I think the barrier to entry to everything is low. Because all you need to do is start trying. Every, like The barrier to, su- to success may be different. You may need to get some money invested. You may need to have a particular skill set. But the, f- the fundamental piece starts from trying. As human beings, as adults, we know that everything we ever got good at, we started from trying. Like, and you learn so much more from the actual doing. Like, no, if we had to write a test about how to walk when we were learning to walk, we'll never be walking. We learn by doing. Everything that we take for granted now, whether that's driving, whether that's it's cooking, even writing your name, you learn through doing. You got better by doing. And the barriers to entry to trying are your willingness to forget what embarrassment feels like, what fear feels like, to just try. 
those are the only barriers because I guarantee you, if you step out of your house today and say, you know what, I want to do a 5K, there is nobody outside that's, that's holding your leg. If you decide that you want to, you want to start learning how to cook. There's nobody at Sainsbury's blocking you from buying the ingredients. It's your fear, your embarrassment that's holding you back. The opportunity is there. Just go and try. Finding your niche, finding your opportunity, finding the gap that you can fill. And it doesn't matter if someone else is doing it. They're not you. Someone else. Do, are you, do you really believe the man who's like KFC was the first person to fry chicken? Do you believe he was the first person to fry chicken? Five guys came after Burger King and McDonald's. Their burgers still sell. Nando's. Do you know how many people have their peri-peri? Not even peri-peri. There's 42 peri-peri shops in your area today selling discounted Nando's. Making money. Find your niche. All they needed to know that was we can't charge £10 for a half a chicken and chips. We need to do it for four. We need to figure out how we can do that. That's it. And then the networking piece, Koi, you've, you've, got all the, you've got all the tech as when it comes to networking. You've got all the skills. You've got all the gems. But the idea of being the person you want to talk to, because it's mad awkward in those rooms, but being the person you want to talk to, giving off the energy of someone who's approachable and willing to have fun and make this strange thing that we've all walked into this room to do much less awkward is incredible. And I'm, I'm, I'm stealing that from you for sure. But... People are listening to us for an hour and a bit at this point. And some people would have already known you, but there's people who didn't. For the people who didn't know who you were and want to get more of Koi, want to learn more about you, want to watch the safe space to see what 150,000 other people thought was good about it. Where can they find out how to reach you? Where can they see more Koi? I am, I, I am, I am Koi <laughs> on every um, platform. So that's Twitter, that's um, Instagram. Um, on TikTok, I'm Big Koi, um, and so I am Koi, I-A-M-Q-O-Y, and then my baby, which is my YouTube channel, um, is just Koi, um, the Safe Space Show, that's the name of the show, um, and I've interviewed Fred Santana, Mimi the Music Blogger, um, Savage Dan, Chucky, the episode came out just today, um, and just so you know, because it's like, why would I waste my time? Um, you won't be wasting your time. My show is all about getting people who are doing amazing in their field, um, and showing how the human side of it, you know, you, when you see Superman, you just look at super, do you know what I mean? But like, there's a human side of it. And once you know that part, there's no difference between you and them. Like, I want everyone to feel empowered to go and do whatever great things. And we talk, we're very inappropriate, we're very funny, but we also get to the heart of the human experience, isn't it? Which is having a purpose and wanting to do something. So um, you definitely check it out. It's always, it's a good time. I gift you it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for that, Koi. All the links will be in the description so you can find out how to reach Big Koi even on TikTok. Um, but if you want to reach Black Millennial Money, you can do so by finding us on Instagram. It's at BMM Global. On Twitter, it's BMM Global Pod. On YouTube, we're on a road to a thousand subscribers. We're super close. We just need a few more. Find us on YouTube at Black Millennial Money. If you want to send us your dilemmas, if you have any questions, we will be releasing those on the channel in the future. Head over to blackmillennialmoney.com and send over your dilemmas. If you haven't joined the Patreon, the link is in the description. And lastly, lastly, my book is coming out, The Free Circles of Wealth, How the Children of Working Class Parents and Immigrants Can Get Rich and Stay That Way. Join the waiting list. The link is in the description. I'll see you next week. Thank you for watching. This is Black Millennial Money. 